Hi friends, it's Pastor Drew Wilkerson from Bridgewater Church. Hey, thanks for stopping by this podcast. It's our prayer that as you listen, God will speak to your heart and you will feel inspired and you'll learn new things that will help you in your daily walk with God and just in life in general. So again, thanks for stopping by and thanks for listening. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Bridgewater Church Online. This is an incredible celebration. And I just want to stop a moment and say thanks to everyone who prayed for me and my family. My mom passed away. It was unexpected, but she is in this incredible home called Heaven. And I just want to thank everyone who supported us, and especially thanking Pastor Liz and Pastor Dennis Kidd for bringing us along and continuing to move this incredible series forward. But I have to tell you, I am so loving this series that I had to come back in and finish what we began. And that's why I love this series called Come Back, It's Time. Now, do you remember the definition? It's simple, but it's powerful. A comeback means to return to life, to regain a favorable position, and to recover from a deficit. We all need comebacks in our lives. I don't know where you're at in yours. Perhaps you've had this incredible comeback from a setback, and you're just rejoicing right now. But maybe you're kicking back with your cup of coffee and you're thinking, Pastor, I really do need a comeback in my life. And I don't think it's possible. Maybe that's you this morning. And if it is you, you're in good company with President Abraham Lincoln. I've loved starting these messages with these incredible historical life true stories. And Lincoln one of the most incredible stories ever because if you know anything about this man and if you've ever called him one of the greatest presidents that we've ever had, then you have to realize that wasn't easy. It wasn't easy to become president of the United States. In fact, did you know this? That he only served one term as a Whig, the Whig party in the House of Representatives but he was highly unpopular. Lincoln didn't like the president. He didn't like the Mexican-American War. And he, he just lost his bid for the house when it came up again. But he found a way to come back. Ultimately, he, after losing two bids for the Senate, failing twice, Lincoln came back And he was elected president in 1860. I love what Lincoln said. Always bear in mind that your own resolution to succeed is more important than any other one thing. Okay, is that you? Do you need a comeback? You've had such a setback that you don't believe that God can help you move forward in your life? It's simply not true. As much as I love true-to-life historical comebacks, and I like to talk about them, every one of us need spiritual comebacks. 
Every one of us need to be able to move forward. That's why we talked about Jesus' death to life, the comeback of Moses from black sheep to God's shepherd. What about the Ethiopian, the, the eunuch to evangelist, Paul from assassin to apostle, and then Peter from lawbreaker to legacy leader. And Liz really brought it when she talked about the comeback of a community called the church. Now listen, here's one thing I've been waiting for weeks to say to us. No comeback, from, especially from such a difficult setback, no comeback can happen without the help of someone else. Did you grab that? Did you hear it? If you're trying to do something new or fresh, if you need a comeback from a setback, you've got to have somebody in your life that can help you get to where God is calling you to go. That's why this morning, we're going to talk about the comeback of a man named Barnabas from messenger to mentor. Now, I need to explain this one because it's a little different. Years and years ago, I was at a conference and I heard an older pastor speak that I didn't know. But as he was speaking, God just seemed to whisper in my spirit, you need a relationship with that man. You need to go talk to him as soon as the conference is over. And I thought, why? What? what? That's, that's all I got. All I got was you need help. And I had heard God's messenger, but I needed a mentor. Did you hear that? I heard the message, but I needed a mentor. And I went up to Pastor Claude Robold, and I said, Pastor Robold, we don't know each other, but I heard you speak, and the Holy Spirit just convicted me and inspired me to come and talk to you. And I really have been praying about someone who could be a mentor in my life. He looked at me, and without hesitation, he said, Drew, anything I can do to help you, I want to be a part of your life. Okay, folks, listen. All of us hear messages all the time. It's, they're on Instagram and Facebook. It's on YouTube, whatever your social media platform is. You know, we're hearing messages from media. We're, we're hearing messages. You're hearing a message from me. But we need more than just hearing words. We've got to have somebody walk with us. And we need a, more than a messenger. We need mentors. We need people that we trust to give us wisdom. Not just friends that are going to tell us what we want to hear. That's why I love this story. In fact, as we talk about Barnabas... It's a man you may never have heard of. He is one of my favorite New Testament characters, especially because he became more than a messenger, but a mentor for a man named Saul, who would become Paul. I want to turn to Acts chapter 11, and this is like a mentoring recipe, okay? I'm not a cook, really, but I, I, love, I love good food that's cooked well, and I know that takes a great recipe. I'm going to give you four ingredients for this messenger to mentor recipe, and it begins with these words in verse 19 through 24. Now, those who had been scattered by the persecution 
that broke out when Stephen was killed traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word only among Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Here's our first ingredient in this recipe. A messenger who becomes a mentor must be an encourager. Now, we'll get to that in a moment, but I need to give you this background because without it, we're really not going to understand what was taking place. When we think about Antioch, Antioch uh, is still, it, it exists in the form of a modern city in Turkey, in the country of Turkey. Uh, Antikeia is the city today. And this was first the capital of the Seleucid monarchy. But what's important is it was a major port for travel and for trade. Now, why, why is this all so crucial? We're, we're spoiled today, in, 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 especially in America. You can turn and look, and there's a church on almost every corner, especially in metropolitan areas. But think about this. This was the first, uh, let's call it cosmopolitan city, where Christianity became rooted. Think about that. If there was no church in Antioch, I mean in New York, if there was no church in, uh, let's say, Los Angeles, let's say the only church that existed was in Cincinnati, Ohio. That's the comparison to Antioch. Why, why is this crucial in the formation of the early church. It's because people got nervous. People got, do you ever get nervous with change or new things? The church in Jerusalem, this new church that we've been studying that was growing, led by the apostles and other elder leaders, they heard about Antioch. They're growing. People are coming to know Jesus as their Savior. They start looking around and they're like, who do we have there? Who, who's, who's leading all this? We want to make sure that God is in it. They looked around and they found Barnabas. They found this incredible man named Barnabas. Now, why was he unique? Jewish. That was his background. But he was also Hellenistic, meaning he had a Greek background. He was a Jew from Cyprus. In other words, missionaries today would love him. He was cross-cultural. He could, he could be a part of this Jerusalem church where he had landed, but now it was time to send a representative to this growing ministry in Antioch in the country of Turkey. Now, Thinking about all of this, what's important for us to realize is it isn't enough 
to tell people the message that we think is important. It has to be translated into the, a, a, a cultural relevancy. That was Barnabas. Barnabas wasn't just a messenger. He became a mentor. And that's why when he went to Antioch, people were excited. People were, were thrilled because immediately they realized something about Barnabas. His very name means son of encouragement. He comes and he doesn't just start saying, you got to change this, you got to change this, this isn't right. Do you know people like that, that the minute that you meet them, nothing makes them happy? Everything could be better because they know it all. Thank God that wasn't Barnabas. Barnabas was this cross-cultural messenger who was willing to become a mentor in a new cosmopolitan city where Christianity was growing among the Gentiles. In fact, I love this. The message and how it was preached in Jerusalem wasn't going to work in Antioch. But this is what Barnabas realized. Barnabas and the other leaders he began to help, they, they connected with these Hellenistic Greeks because they wanted immortality. They wanted salvation. But it didn't do any good to come from a perspective of being a Jew. They had to get right down in to the ministry of Antioch and translate this from a message that they could understand, and that would not happen without a mentor. I love what Scripture says. Scripture says that Barnabas' heart was full of joy. Man, they saw Jesus living in him. The quote from George Adams, it, in my mind, is something all of us need today. He wrote, we should seize every opportunity to give encouragement. Encouragement is oxygen to the soul. Can, can we just stop a moment and I need to ask you, are you really an encourager? Are you someone that encourages other people? Now, I know this about you already. Everybody loves to be encouraged, but do you look for ways to encourage people? Tell them they're doing great? Do you find ways like a Barnabas would to encourage other people? Or do you think that's just for one or two folks that you know? That's a lie. It's for everybody. Everybody needs to become an encourager, and here's why, especially in the body of Christ. This first ingredient is huge. You've got to take the message that you know personally, and you've got to translate it as a mentor, and first and foremost, for people to listen, you've got to encourage them. You've got to love them. You've got to empower them. You have to help them realize that God has created them to know the good news, and that's why we need Barnabases. We need to be encouragers to help people be ready. Okay, now that's just ingredient number one. I've got three more, so let's go. Here's the second thing. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. Okay, ingredient number two. A messenger who becomes a mentor must be a recruiter. So we've got this first ingredient. 
There's got to be this sense of joy and excitement and encouragement. It became so powerful, and it's true for us today. If we would just go out and encourage people and share the good news, people are going to want to be a part of that kind of community. That's what Pastor Liz was talking about just a couple of weeks ago. But, but, you got to have staff. You have got to have staff. Can I just stop right here and say this? I want to grow the ministry of Bridgewater Church more and more and more so people will give generously more and more and more so we can hire more and more staff. We need people on our staff at Bridgewater Church like Pastor Liz. We need people that can help us grow ministry. But the focus isn't on the staff member. The focus is on the ministry. That's why Barnabas said, man, it's growing so much, I've got to have more staff. I've got to have qualified people to help lead the body of Christ in this cosmopolitan Antioch setting. He thinks of, of the assassin to apostle Saul. He, he, it's just crazy. He, who, who can I get? Who can I get to come and help us? Oh, I know. Saul. I'll get Saul. Now, here's the problem. They hadn't seen each other for quite some time, maybe years. The last time they saw each other, he was waving goodbye to Saul when he got on a boat to go back home to Tarsus because the Jews didn't want uh, Saul. And the, do you remember this? It was Barnabas who took Saul to the uh, apostles in Jerusalem and introduced him, but they didn't want to meet him. They were all afraid. It was Barnabas, the son of encouragement, who recruited Saul even then in the early days. And in, in that very beginning, this mentorship is beginning to happen. In Jerusalem, when Saul was just understanding his call on the Damascus Road, there was Barnabas encouraging and pouring into him. Then he waves goodbye. Years later, he goes, I gotta find him. I wonder how uh, Saul is doing. I, I wonder what's happening in his life. No Facebook, no email, no texting. So he says to everybody in the church at Antioch, he goes, hey, listen, I'll be back. I don't know how long, but I've got to go find Saul. And you know the beautiful thing about that? Listen, listen, this is so cool. This, this is just a freebie right here. This is so awesome. If you think you need a fresh start, go somewhere where people really don't know you and, and dive into what God's called you to do. Because these folks in Antioch didn't know who Saul was. They didn't know him as a Jew. And so Saul is, is waiting for a partnership. And it was Barnabas who went and actually the word search in the Greek that's used here, it meant he had to look and look and look in order to find him. Our second ingredient is, is crucial. A messenger who becomes a mentor must be a recruiter. And I need, need to ask you this. Are you still waiting for everybody to uh, notice who you are? I, I want to challenge you. Do what I did. Years ago, I went to Claude Robold, and I said, I need a mentor. And all of you who have the ability to mentor, who, who do you have that you're partnered with? Let's stop messing around. Let's realize that our past does not need to define our present. And let's find someone who can be a messenger and 
who is willing to mentor us in our walk with God. I think of, I have a wonderful life group on Monday nights, our men's group online is incredible. I have about uh, nine or 10 guys that we all get together and my co-leader is a great friend, Ed Ballard. But Ed would, would be the first to tell you, I don't feel qualified. And you know what I'm gonna tell you? Ed Ballard is an amazing teacher. Do you know why? Because he's willing to share his gifts. And I've had the privilege of mentoring Ed, and now I'm watching Ed mentor our group. This is what it means to recruit those that are available. Barnabas eventually found Saul. There's no indication that Saul resisted. And get this, they spent a year together at Antioch, discipling, mentoring, raising up new believers in Christ. And this is something that's crucial. Listen to me about this. Mentors are uniters, not dividers. Man, listen. If there's anything that we need right now, we need a unity in the life of the church. Please hear me. And don't, I don't want you to be mad, but I do want you to grab this. Too many Christians are consumers and not mentors. They go to church and say, what can I get out of it for me? And when they're done getting whatever they wanted out of it, they go somewhere else with their friends. It's all about their friends, and I'm going to go to church with my friends. And listen, that's just a cycle for them. It doesn't matter if it's a year or five years or ten years. I, got, I, I, I absorbed everything out of it. I could. No, 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 no. Jesus Christ did not save us in order to transform us into sponges. We need to be a sponge in the sense of, of gaining new truth and insight and discipleship. But at some point, we've got to give ourselves back. Mentors are uniters, not dividers. And when I think about the Antioch Church, to be honest with you, I wish I could have gone. Think about this. Now remember their location, they're against the sea, and on the other side is the desert. They're, they're right in this oasis middle, okay? There are Jews, Greeks, barbarians, idol worshipers. Uh, there are God and goddess believers. They, there are black, there are white. There are people that are Asian. There are people that are uh, the beginning of Europeans, and, and, and they're, all, they're all meshed together in one ministry because there were messengers who became mentors, who encouraged and recruited like Barnabas and Saul. And they did it because their focus was on Jesus. In fact, we're told in the scriptures they grew so much. The, the Greeks did not focus on the idea of the Messiah. That's Jewish. The Greeks focused on the word Christos or Christ. And it literally means the anointed one. And it went something like this. There was so much talk in town. The question was, who are these people? And the answer, oh, these are the people who are always talking about Christos. These are the Christ people, and that's how we became known as Christians.
encouragement, recruitment. Here's the third one. During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them named Agabus. He stood up and through the Spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. This happened during the reign of Claudius. The disciples, as each one was able, can I read that again? The disciples, as each one was able, decided to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judea. This they did, sending their gift to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. Here's our third ingredient in this recipe for mentorship. If you and I want to come back, we need messengers in our lives who become mentors, but we must learn to be contributors. We must learn to be contributors. The emphasis in this moment in, in the church was a unifying factor, and I, and, and I think this is, this is spectacular. There was a unifying factor that was prophesied it's the gift of foretelling by a man, a Christian, a follower of Jesus named Agabus. Agabus came and he said, look, he said, there's going to be a famine all over this world. Now, it would touch Antioch, but historically we know that between uh, A.D. 45 and 48, it hit the Jerusalem church hard. It hit Judea hard. God was preparing the people to give to people in need. Now, wrap your mind around this. There's a unifying need. Antioch is going to be touched by this too, but not as severely as Jerusalem. And God sends a messenger to mentor them in Agabus to say, you've got to prepare now to give because your brothers and sisters in Christ who are very different from you, but just like you, will need your help. Barnabas and Saul, through Agabus' prophecy, became more than the messengers. They became mentors of generosity. Now, th this, this is crucial. I, I really believe this. More than ever, I think COVID, which has been a unifying factor for us as an entire world, please hang on to this. Please don't. If you want to throw something, I'm not at your house. You can just throw it at the TV. You can, but the easy thing is you can just turn this off. I think COVID has made us more selfish. I think it's easier to go do the things we want to do than the things that we necessarily should do. Can I just get honest and real about this? I think churches have seen a huge downturn in people worshiping together. A lot of people have stopped going to church uh, in the house. Uh, it's great that there's online. I'm so glad. Don't, don't think I'm not glad that you're watching online. I am. But I just want to go to the, I want to mentor you. I want to be more than a messenger. I want to mentor us together. And I want you to realize this. You make a difference in the kingdom of God. You really do. And it's great that you're watching me and I'm watching you, but it's not the same as having a relationship together. And a messenger who becomes a mentor, if we want to come back, we need contributors. Well, in this case, it was funds. In this case, it was funds. They were willing to set aside and contribute. So let me, let me just camp there a minute. If we turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 7, 
Saul, who would become Paul, was mentored so well by Barnabas in this moment at Antioch that when he encouraged the Corinthians to give, this is later on, this is what he said. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches in the midst of a very severe trial. Their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity, for I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. Now listen to this. As they ex exceeded our expectations, this, this is the foundational part, folks. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord, and then by the will of God also to us. So we urged Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But since you excel in everything, Paul is talking to the Corinthians, you excel in faith and speech and knowledge in complete earnestness and in the love we have kindled in you. See that you also excel in the grace of giving. Now, just get this. It started in Antioch. It started with Barnabas. He was an encourager. He was a recruiter. He mentored Saul and he mentored all of these people in this Hellenistic cosmopolitan community to be generous contributors. Now we see Saul has been renamed Paul. He has planted churches throughout the Greek, Gentile, Roman world, and now he says to them what he first heard from Barnabas, give generously. Listen, folks, I, I'm not afraid to say this. Everyone who considers Bridgewater Church their home, we need you to give generously. We've got to move beyond this pandemic. We have to become not just givers, but we have to be generous givers of our finances. I had somebody say to me not recently, man, all churches want our money. That is a lie. We want a resource financially to be able to hire staff, to be able to lead people to Christ, to pour into children, to pour into teenagers, and COVID has become something of a negative unifier that says the church isn't important. I'm telling you today, the church is more alive than she's ever been. But God is sifting us because he doesn't want bystanders. He wants people who participate as contributors in the body of Christ. Now, man, I know that was a lot. But I hope God's working on your heart and your mind. Maybe you even go to church somewhere else and you're catching this message. Come on, let's become encouragers and recruiters and contributors, but not just of finances. We need your faces. We need your smile. We need your encouragement. We need your words. We need your hope. We need your, your faith. We need unity together. As followers of Christ, we're called to be messengers who become mentors, who recruit people into God's community, but then teach that we are called to be generous contributors. There's one more. I, I love this part, and, and you've been hanging with me. I hope, I hope you didn't turn the TV off. Look at this last part. We're going to fast forward to Acts uh, chapter 15. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, now notice, he's been renamed. And also notice that Paul's name is first. 
So he has grown. He's excelled in ministry. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let us go back and visit the believers in all of the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them. But Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. He had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and left. Commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord, he went through Syria and Sicilia, strengthening the churches. Here's our fourth ingredient. If we need a comeback and you want one, here's, here's what's essential. A messenger who becomes a mentor must be a bridge builder. I like this because it shows us that even two best friends, Barnabas and Paul, who was Saul in Antioch, two best friends can disagree. I'm sad today in our country that so many people think that if we disagree, then we don't need each other in our lives. That's not true. In fact, some scholars believe, biblically, they wonder what happened to Paul and Barnabas. Here's what I think, and I want to give you my take on this. I really believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that when Barnabas and Paul had a disagreement, they were able to get over it. Now, back up just a minute. What was the disagreement over? It was over the, the relationship between Barnabas and John Mark. And if we go back in Scripture, and you don't have to do that this morning, but John Mark was Barnabas' cousin, all in the family, right? And I think it was Barnabas who was always finding people to recruit to the ministry of God's kingdom and to the church as it was forming in the first century. And beyond a shadow of a doubt, I think Barnabas and, and Paul tremendously believed in John Mark's abilities, but something happened to him in Pamphylia, and he panicked, and he bailed. Now there's a new opportunity for John Mark, and obviously John Mark wants to be used. He wants to grow. But Paul's like, Barnabas, we're not taking him. He, he bailed on us in Pamphylia, and we're not taking him. I mean, come on. This isn't somebody that, that, that it's, it's going to work. And I can hear Barnabas going, Listen, that's what people thought about you at one time. Remember, I'm the one that introduced you to the disciples in Jerusalem. Remember, I'm the one that got you when you were Saul and not Paul, and I brought you from Tarsus. And we, we had a great ministry in Antioch. And we've been doing ministry ever since. We're traveling, we're doing missions. Look at how God is useless. Let's take him. And whatever reason, for whatever reason, this is, this is Paul's answer. Not doing it. I'm not doing it. Now listen, these are two brothers in Christ. But here's what I love. Don't, don't dog Paul too much. Don't, I'll get to that in a minute. But Barnabas says, okay, well then I'm going to go my way as God leads. And I'm taking John Mark. And by the way, is anybody glad that Barnabas took John Mark? Because this is the same Mark who wrote the gospel of Mark. Yeah, he bailed to Pamphylia. Mark, John Mark needed a comeback. And to, to, to experience his comeback, 
Just like Saul who became Paul, he needed a messenger who became a mentor. Barnabas was an encourager, a recruiter, a contributor, and now he is a bridge builder. It's easier to be a gossip than it is a bridge builder, isn't it? It's easier to talk about what you're unhappy about with people and think that sounds good and holy, but you're not talking to the right people. You're sharing uh, division instead of unity. Barnabas saw not only the power of God in Paul and Silas as they began a new venture for God's kingdom, but he said, God's got his hand on this young guy, and he needs to come back, and I'm going to help him. And, it be, and, and remember I said, I, don't, I said, don't be too hard on Paul. Go over to 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 9 through 11. At the end of Paul's life, this is what we read. This is Paul writing to a young mentee named Timothy. Barnabas mentored Saul, who became Paul. Paul is mentoring a young Timothy and then Paul writes, do your best to come to me quickly for Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me, and has gone to Thessalonica. Cretans had gone to Galatia, and Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Now here it comes. Are you ready? This is exciting. Get Mark. Wait a minute. Did you hear it? Want to say it with me? Get Mark and bring him with you, because he's helpful to me in my ministry. You see it all come back together? Barnabas pours into John Mark. John Mark grows in his influence in the kingdom of God and a mentor from mentee to mentor, from messenger to mentor. And Paul says, go get him. Go get him. Um, I have a, a question. The, in, in your life, where are you? Are you tearing down more bridges or are you building bridges? Are you talking more gossip than you are talking about Jesus? Are you really contributing to the body of Christ? Or are you just hanging out thinking, I believe in God, that's enough? It isn't. There's lots of people in this world that need to know about Jesus. And we need messengers who become mentors. That's vital. In fact, I, I love this. Uh, insight. It comes from Gordon McDonald, a wonderful writer. He's talking about the Brooklyn Bridge. Did you know the Brooklyn Bridge is 152 years old? And people still drive on it today. But this is a great insight. He goes, uh, the chief engineer and his construction team did their most patient and daring work where no one could see it, on the foundations of the towers below the water line. McDonald says, it's not what you see, it's what's in your soul that matters most. And then he says this, leaders blessed with great natural skills and charisma may be vulnerable to collapse in their character. Their key relationships, their center of belief, because they never learn that you cannot build above the waterline until there is a substantial foundation below it. The test of a leader is less what he is or what she accomplishes before 45. And it's more about what happens after. It's called sustainability. The trick is to last, grow wiser, become more focused with the years 
and pour into more people what God has poured into you. A messenger who becomes a mentor must be a bridge builder. This morning, I want to encourage you to do two things as we close. One, I want to encourage you to really evaluate your own walk with God and ask yourself, are you really a consumer or a contributor? Are, are you always looking for encouragement or are you an encourager? Is it all about what you want or are you recruiting more people to come to know Jesus and, and, and go to church with you and grow together in your walk with Christ? Are you a bridge builder? That's my first challenge. Let's get really honest this week in our walk with God. And if you need a comeback, it starts when we move from being a messenger, or maybe I should say just listening to the message, and becoming a mentor, and living out the gospel of Jesus Christ. But here's the second challenge. I want you to find someone this week and go to coffee with them, or as, as my wonderful staff have said, tea, milkshake, uh, green, macchiata, uh, whatever it is you love to do in that coffee shop, the drink, your favorite drink. Mine's usually uh, a mocha, which is sounding pretty good right now. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to call somebody out of the blue and say, let's go to, let's go to coffee, let's go to tea. And I want you to go intentionally to ask them how they are, encourage them, pour into them, and recruit them for the kingdom of God contribute buy it don't 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 go habsies buy their their coffee or their snack or their lunch and then make this decision to watch how god can change his kingdom through you i want to pray for that father thank you for the day we've covered a lot of ground between barnabas and saul but god we see that so many lives were changed i know mine has been by these men and Father, you're doing such incredible things. Father, I pray the challenge on people who've gotten comfortable. It's good to be comfortable for a while, but we got to move on. And I pray, God, for an incredible transformation in every person listening, that they would realize how important they are in the body of Christ. And God, I pray that we would show our love for you by calling somebody up and texting them and say, let's go to lunch. Let's, let's go get some coffee or a milkshake, and then let's move from messenger to mentor. Let's be encouragers. Let's help them realize just how important they are in the body of Christ. And Father, we love you and we give you praise. Help us to experience comebacks like never before. In Jesus' name, amen. I can't wait to hear your stories. Tell us about them online. Shoot us a text or an email. We love you so much. We've got one more message in this series, and God is ready to do great things that we can't imagine or dream. I love you, and until we see each other again soon, take heart and be transformed. Hey friends, thanks for listening. And if you wanna be a part of our eFamily, then all you have to do to join us is click the link below, and you can check us out on our YouTube page, you can also join us on social media. And if you'd like to support the ministry, then just click the link to give. 
We're so grateful for all of our partners and together we can do more than we can alone. So again, thanks to all of you for listening to this podcast and also thank you for helping us reach people around the world for Jesus Christ.